Honorable Dr. Bedi, thank you so much for the kind of support that you give principals. Thank you. Professor Shukla and all members on the dais. I speak here, friends, as a practitioner. A practitioner who from the early 70s has worked in a school in Eastern UP in Gorakhpur, which had 150 children in one class. And they had a teacher, teacher, and a beater, teacher. The teacher, teacher taught, and the beater, teacher beat. Because the rest were not we're making a noise. We've come a very long way from there. And there are these words that I say at every conference and I want to say it again. I spend most of my waking hours with schools of the present that are trying to recalibrate themselves into schools of the future. And these experiences have showed me three ways, three patterns. That the gap between man and machine is shrinking. That the whole understanding of global citizenship is shifting and that we have very little time to undo the damage that we have done to our environment. And this is central to learning. Amidst so many uncertainties, what is the road that we as teachers have to traverse? How do we, what is it that we need to know, believe, in order to add value to classroom transaction? Will the government have enough courage to support personalized teacher learning? Will there be enough money in public funding to help us to take this forward? Because we really need it urgently, and we need it now. In my understanding, we are facing a global learning crisis and not an education crisis. Because out of the quarter billion people, out of the quarter billion children on this planet, 330 million of them are in school but are not learning. And if we don't do anything by 2030, in the next 13 years, we will have nearly 1.6 billion children on this planet who will either not be in school or even if they are in school, they'll not be learning. And this is directly related to how children learn and the lack of teacher competencies. You know, the other day, a couple of years ago, I was in, in Doha at a conference in WISE, the World Education Summit of Innovation. And I saw a slide which had been put up by an by a educator from Finland. And the site said, students of today attending schools of yesterday taught by teachers from the past, preparing them for the future. And I wondered that if this is what the Finns think, where do we stand? Because everybody seems to be running to Finland for some reason or the other, which is not necessarily the answer. The landscape is shifting. And the whole idea of a singular way of learning is out. Learning is so much more elastic. It's inextricable. It's alive. 
And we need to understand that, and that can only happen if teachers move towards personalized learning of children and not getting access or through them or of them through board examinations, but perhaps by creating their own rubrics in classrooms. Much of the energy that will drive the brain power or the economic engine of this world will be in the brain power generated in the classrooms. And whatever we do, whoever we are, we have a personal stake in this. But in spite of all that is being done, everywhere we see around us a great struggle as far as teacher competencies, student learning, and even what the market wants from us. So I think teachers need to be oriented with 21st century learning. And what is it? Are we in our B.Ed. colleges or B.L.Ed. College, colleges teaching ecological literacy? Which means that half of our lungs are hanging outside on the trees and what, when they breathe, we don't breathe and when we breathe, they don't breathe. And, and the Prime Minister himself talks about the water crisis, about pollution. Are we talking about ecological literacy as a course in a B.Ed. college? Are we talking about cultural literacy that was so wonderfully mentioned by Professor Shukla, in which we can enhance a mindset of belief in diversity, in customs and traditions of indigenous peoples? Do we look at global literacy when we can move seamlessly across continents and understand the heritage and language? And do we even look at digital literacy? which is so abundant and yet so deeply contested. And if, and if data analysis is the future, then we have to look at how we're looking at digital literacy. And the most important, are we looking at emotional literacy of the child? Where is it? This is about mindsets. It's about, it's about well-being. It's about spiritual literacy. It's about value systems. Are there courses? And I know that the NCT will definitely look into this area because all that we have in the BLED, BED courses are child development and psychology. But we must sort of dovetail all this within that structure. We need a revolution in teacher education because we have no systemic restructuring. 60 to 70% of training happens in schools as a practitioner. I know that every time I advertise a post, I get over 200 applications. And every application says they're CTET, they've done a graduation, post-graduation in their particular subject or craft, and yet, interestingly, they don't pass the demo lessons, don't pass the interview. And technology, I really don't know. Technology, something that is so intrinsic to classrooms, which we're talking about Digital India. There's very little knowledge of that. In fact, I think we have to really look and rejuvenate our systems of the SCRT, of diets, of BITE, of CRC, of BRC, of IASCE, of CR... So, so all the systems have to be rejuvenated, including the schools. And we need to ensure that there is a rigorous teacher development that takes place, moving maybe from a two-year to a four-year course that was mentioned in the, um, in the uh, draft of the NEP. And it is imperative, it is very imperative that we have to give autonomy, we have to give higher competencies and people's skills to teachers. It's extremely essential. Teachers themselves are not aware of the kind of job markets that are going to come into being in the next 30 years. 
In fact, the content that we're teaching today is irrelevant. It is how we teach that is relevant. So the, the draft national education policy talks about a new curricula. It talks about a new pedagogy. It talks about being responsive to the needs of, of young people. But these points can only happen if there is a certain training and learning process. What do I see? There is no professional training for principals in this country. The IIMs have some courses of about four, five, uh, four, uh, about five days. The CBSC has come up with competency-based uh, training, which I think is a pioneering effort in doing that. But essentially, suddenly a teacher is plummeted into becoming a head teacher in a school without any training. Abroad, you have training for, for principals before, after, and during the time that they, are, uh, that they become head teachers. So some, because ultimately they are the vision of that school. And so training is required. And the school is only looked at through the board examination result, which everybody gets 101%. It's not new. And if your name comes up in a paper and some education times as being the top school, that does not make you a top school. Top school is if children are coming out holistically, and then do we have a data that follows them and sees where is it that they go? What is it that they do? So we need a very robust process. In fact, I want to talk a little bit about technology and say that the kind of technology that is being taken up, it has to be taken up in a more different manner in B.Ed. colleges or in teacher training colleges. Because just by doing Instagram and Snapchat is not technology. Technology is about finding innovative methods of teaching in a classroom. Technology is about how do we find evaluation, streamlining, looking at online platforms through which we can teach our children. Can we look at web technologies 2.0? Can we look at connections? So, and many states have got involved with improving their uh, systems of learning. But I think we have great challenges there. The right to education, the integration of children with special needs, which, which teachers are not of which they don't understand too much. The vicarious legal liabilities of principals and teachers, which gets you in jail at the drop of a hat. These things have prevented people from coming into this profession, people who are committed. All I can end by saying is, there's so much more to say, but I leave it to my honorable speakers on the platform. But what I do want to end by saying is that if we move from the 19th century across, we see tremendous changes in all aspects of life, but the school remains the same, it looks the same. It has the four walls, it has the children sitting on straight desks, it has a teacher teaching and them taking notes. We're still stuck in the colonial model of learning. When we had Bapu, who believed in the head, the hand and the heart, which is the essence of learning. So let us think that we should not end up where Bapu went to a school and he looked at a headmaster like me and I said very proudly, this teacher teaches geography, this teacher teaches maths, this teacher teaches English. And he said, which teacher teaches children? Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen.